Welcome to the MAPA Podcast. This episode is hosted by Katerina Ostrom. The focus is PAs practicing in rural medicine. Katerina's guests are Brenda Bullerman and Lexi White. Welcome back everyone to the MAPA Podcast. My name is Katerina Ostrup. I often go by Kat and I will be your host for the episode today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule as a current or future PA to tune into the show today. I'm really looking forward to the episode today. We're going to be talking about practicing in rural medicine with two Minnesota PAs. So I'm really excited. We have Brenda and we have Lexi here joining us today. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. I would love if you each would introduce yourselves and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Brenda, would you like to go first? Sure. I have been a physician assistant for 28 years, just about 29. I actually was both an LPN and an RN before going back to PA school. I've been in rural medicine 20 six of the 29 years, pretty much. I spent three years in um, surgery trauma and the rest of the time has been all family practice, rural medicine. So most of my practice is in rural area. Wow. Very cool. And then we have Lexi. Yeah, I'm Lexi. Um, I'm on the other spectrum. I'm a brand new PA, (laughs) just uh, graduated from St. Scholastica in Duluth in December of 21. Um, I work with Essentia and the geriatric specialty. Specifically, I work with elder care. Um, So I go to a lot of assisted livings and nursing homes and round and see patients there. And I'm mainly located in Virginia. So um, again, a very rural area that needs a lot of assistance. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you both for sharing. And Brenda, let's go back a little bit to what you started saying. Do you mind sharing what prompted you to choose the PA profession over the NP profession since you have that nursing background? At the time, it probably was the availability of the program. Back when I went to school, really the only thing in this area was University of North Dakota. USD didn't have a program. There was nothing and nothing in the state of Minnesota. And so um, that was basically what it did. And that program was set up specifically at that time that you had to be a registered nurse with so many years of experience and then got into the program. And I'm old enough that that was a certificate program. We didn't even get a bachelor's or a master's degree. So that's basically what, what drove me. And the other thing is our hospital setting or town was very short on medical providers. And so they actually offered to pay for most of my schooling to go back to school too, as long as I signed a commitment to return to my hometown for a certain number of years after that. Very cool. That's great that you were able to serve again in your community and find a way to help with paying back some of the student loans. Although I would imagine it's probably not quite the over six figures that we're used to nowadays, but that's really cool that you were able to get your training back then as well. That's awesome. And then Lexi, what prompted you to work in the specialty that you are working in and how did you get that job as a new grad? Sure. Great question. Yeah. I um, have always had a special place in my heart for the, the geriatric population. I started uh, my healthcare career as a CNA, so I kind of worked from the ground up, um, which I always recommend anyone in healthcare kind of does, at least for a short time, 
it really helps you understand how you work as all as a team and how every person is integral in the care of a patient. But I started out there and then uh, really had a good experience shadowing a couple PAs um, and decided that's what I wanted to do. So I um, went to school and during rotations, just kind of was open to different avenues and kind of keeping an open mind instead of pinpointing on what I wanted to do, which was great. And then my elective rotation was in elder care. So I worked, I did a rotation in Duluth with the elder care team there. And I loved the, the flexibility, the autonomy that they let you have. So we work closely with the MDs on our team to do, uh, they do typically admission visits and regulatory visits, but they really give us a lot of autonomy and value our opinion, which is nice. And it's just a great service to have for the community, just really to help primary care providers not be so overloaded um, by these clinic or these patients constantly, you know, needing appointments because they're generally pretty complex patients. So yeah, I really, I really enjoy what I do. And because I had that rotation, I kind of had an in and it was very, I don't want to say easy, um, but it was, it gave me a little bit of a step up in transitioning out of school and kind of right into a job. So that was very nice. I was very lucky. So a follow-up question for that to add a little bit of clarity Are you saying that the patients that you see reside in nursing homes and you help treat some of their care, but they still have PCPs and you kind of work with their PCPs or how do you kind of share in the care of your patients? Sure. No, that's a great question. So if it's an assisted living or a nursing home um, in which those patients are there for long-term, I serve as their PCP. Sure. So prevents the need for them to go to the clinic. And typically, you know, if we need things like labs, chest x-rays, those types of things, they'll come actually to the facilities and either, you know, draw the blood or or do an x-ray or something. For the more complex imaging, they still have to go to the clinic for those types of things. But otherwise, yeah, I serve as their their primary. In terms of TCU, so if it's a rehab-oriented facility or part of a nursing home that has rehab um, associated with it, we will kind of serve as the... PCP for the meantime, just, you know, making sure doing their rehab and, and that their medical needs are taken care of since they're generally pretty acute, you know, try and get people out of the hospital as quick as, as they can in a safe manner. So they usually have a lot going on and need a lot of care. So we kind of take over that role for their primary until they're able to transition home. And then Brenda, you had mentioned that not all of your time practicing as a PA has been in rural medicine. Do you mind sharing what you had practice in originally, and then how you transitioned over into rural medicine and what that looked like. So the first 12 years, I actually was in my hometown and uh, practiced the rural medicine. So I was family practice. I worked full-time and I had a MD that worked just a couple of days a week with me. And then I ended up transitioning to trauma Uh, surgery for three years over in Sioux Falls and drove. Our plans were to move there and that didn't fall through. My husband got a different job. So we decided to stay in Adrian and it was a 45 minute drive one way. So I decided to come back to the clinic when the provider that was there had left. And then now just in the past year, I actually have moved to um, a different area, um, Hendricks, Minnesota. We actually have a lake home close to there. And so I'm still in a very rural area. The town is only 700 but we serve a lot of small towns around this area. Um, We have two MDs and myself and then a nurse practitioner. And so um, now I'm doing a little bit of everything, um, emergency room, hospitalists, 
Um, we take care of a lot of skilled people in the hospital that are in swing beds. So actually a little bit of everything, which I really enjoyed the variety where previously I was just in family practice in a clinic eight to five. And um, so I kind of like doing a little bit of everything. Sure. That's great. I love how that shows the diversity of the profession. Are you in outpatient medicine also right now, or are you only doing inpatient medicine currently? No, I'm doing both. Yes. I'm doing clinic as well. Yes. Well, I think that both of your stories show how the PA profession can be used in multiple different ways, lots of different specialties and the luxury of being able to change specialties throughout our careers. I agree. I think that definitely um, is a plus for physician assistants versus some of the nurse practitioners that are more specialized, you know, even looking at doctors, you know, a lot of them have a specialty they go into and it's very hard for them to change to something else. Whereas PAs, we've just got so much more of that diversity, which just is nice if people have to move, they don't have to stay in the same area. You know, they can try something different. And back when I started, I was one of four APPs in the whole Sanford system. So that tells you how few of us there were, you know, now there's what probably 1200 in the Sanford system. You know, I mean, it's just, and, and every specialty has them where back in, in the day when I started, nobody had a, a APP in, in a specialty. So things have definitely changed over the years to the good. You know, I know you, you work, have so much autonomy, but have you ever had an issue with any doctors or anything in, in being autonomous, especially in the rural setting that you're in? No, I really can't say I have. Um, most of my supervising physicians have actually not even been practicing in the same facility as I have. I have used a lot of the specialty. So versus always going to maybe my supervising physician, just knowing they're very busy in their clinic practice and it's a different town. A lot of times if I had questions, I would go to the special to specialist or specialty to get some of my questions answered. And not that family practice wasn't, you know, my, per, my supervisor wasn't willing to answer those, but sometimes they didn't always have the answer either. And so I just found going to that specialist sometimes Uh, give you a little bit more answers. But as far as having anybody ever try and limit what I did, I never had any problems with that, which is a big plus because I know that probably does happen in a lot of facilities. Sounds like you have been able to have supportive colleagues throughout your career, which definitely makes a difference no matter if you're a brand new grad working as a PA or if you've been working as a PA for many years. Yes, definitely. And then would you each mind sharing what prompted you to work in rural medicine? Is it the fact that maybe you're from the areas or you have family close by, or maybe the lake drew you to where you are, Brenda, or what do you mind sharing? What prompted your ladies to work there? So I started because I lived in that community. And again, I had some assistance going back to school. It had always been a dream of mine to be a, a doctor. And then when I met my husband, he was a farmer. We were in a small town. I just kind of thought, well, the chances of me going back to medical school, you know, working in a rural area probably isn't going to happen. So I ended up going the nursing route, but just always knew I wanted more. And so I had gone from LPN and then RN, and then I eventually went back to the PA. And so a lot of it was just staying in my community. At that time, my husband was a farmer. And so it was a little bit harder to commute. And again, there weren't a lot of other jobs open. So I knew I had a job to come back to in my community, which was a big plus too. Nice. Is your husband still a farmer and what does he farm or what has he farmed over the years? No, he uh, quit farming in 2000. He still works for 
uh, farm store. So he does uh, marketing of their pigs and does a little bit of anything and everything. So he still drives an hour and 20 minutes every day back to work in Adrian, even after we've moved. Oh, wow. so, yeah. One of these days he needs to find something different, but he likes what he's doing. So I don't want to say anything. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Some people don't mind those long commutes. I am not some of those people, but some people don't mind them. Yeah, me either. And then Lexi, what prompted you to work in rural medicine? So I grew up in a very rural area, so it's always kind of hit close to home and been something I've been passionate about just seeing there's so much need and there's need everywhere, but just for the people who don't have the resources, it's you want to give back in a, in a sense. So I'm originally from central Wisconsin, but came up to Duluth for school and just loved the area so much um, that we just kind of stayed here. It's really so heartwarming to work in rural medicine because you get to form such deeper relationships. I think at least, of course, I'm, I'm biased slightly, but you form such deeper relationships, not only with the patients, but with their families too, because you either see them out and about in the community or you know, you know, everyone by name. <laughs> so that really can help their care and really have make you have a better relationship with them, with staff. There's just so many pluses to being a rural provider. That leads me into my next question. It sounds like you <laughs> touched a little bit on that, but are there any other pros that you would see to working in rural medicine? Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the relationship building is huge. It's nice to have specifically in, in the population I take care of and in my job as it is, the staff is basically my coworkers because <laughs> I don't see my peers that much. I'm kind of on my own doing more so mobile medicine than anything. Um, so it's nice to have those good solid relationships so we can take care of everyone properly. Also, you had kind of mentioned it, but the the nature is, is very nice <laughs> being uh, somewhat secluded and having, you know, the woods and the lakes. It's, it's beautiful and it's, it's a, a nice plus than big noises in a city. <laughs> sure. That's for That's sure. Great. And Brenda, and I, would you add to some of those pros yeah, that you would just find? being part of the community? I mean, you're just involved in a lot of things like Lexi had, had said before, you know, you're involved in different community things with people, you know, I think when you know people, you maybe remember things about them more. You remember some of their past medical history. And sometimes I think there's a little bit easier, ability to care for them. I've really found that now in the last year since moving, I came from a town I knew everybody and grew up in. And now I know nobody and just trying to remember names and remember, you know, what their past medical history is. I spend so much more time reviewing all of that information before I see someone. So, you know, I, I just think it's just so much easier caring for people when you associate with them a lot more, you know, them, you're um, doing things with them in the community and, it's just, yeah, just kind of like family. Your, your patients are like your family. I really love that. I think that that's wonderful that you guys both feel as though the community is a big draw to you. I would like to ask a question though, to kind of view the flip side of that. Do you feel as though it's hard to maintain professional boundaries when you are in the community so much with some of your patients, or do you feel as though most of your patients do very much still respect your boundaries as well. And, you know, don't walk up to you and ask, you know, medical questions in the middle of the store or things like that. Or do you mind sharing some of your experience with some of that? For me, that definitely was a con because I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't go to a sporting event and someone would come up and ask me a question. Um, I had people show up at my house after a sporting event, wanting me to check their child because they got injured. Oh, so man. that is a big con. And 
you know, part of that too is just being that provider and being in the community. You just have to expect that. Uh, but that that probably was the one big drawback. Um, you know, and the other part that's really hard I found is, you know, your HIPAA laws, you have to be so very careful, you know, even mm-hmm. to the nonchalant, well, how are you today? You have to be careful of, because if you just saw them in the clinic, you don't want to be asking them, how are you doing? Cause then someone knows that they were in the clinic. So you really have to be very careful, you know, about some of those boundaries. And I just found myself always probably coming across as though maybe not caring when I was in the community, because I once had a friend say, well, why aren't you asking me how I'm doing? Well, we were in a group of people and I said, I can't ask you that, you know, there's other people around here and I can't, you know, give that information that I've even seen you. And so those are some of the hard things that they had to deal with and that were probably a little bit more of a con, but I think sure. the pros are outweighed that. Yeah. I can imagine that that'd be really challenging. No, that's a great point, Brenda. It's the HIPAA laws. It's, it's very real. It's not something that you necessarily would think you'd have to think about, but it's such a very true and, and great point that, you know, you, you have to be conscious of those things, um, seeing people out in the community. And I thankfully have not really had to deal with that very much um, because the patients that I see are in an assisted living or nursing home. Sometimes you'll see family out and about, but with COVID, a lot of people don't recognize your eyes and up. So <laughs> yes, exactly. that's valid. yeah, a little bit more unintentional boundary setting. That's, that's a silver lining of, of COVID. <laughs> Would you ladies have any more cons to add about working in rural medicine? I would say the other thing for me was I was the only provider in the clinic and really never saw another provider. They were maybe there half a day a week if I had a day off. And so feeling a little bit isolated from other medical staff, um, like Lexi was saying, you know, the nurses and the lab and the x-ray, that's my medical team and my family. But I sometimes just felt a little bit left out because I didn't always have, you know, um, the other peers around me. And I really find that now having other providers in the same facility, it's just a lot easier to go talk to them about something or ask them to look at this where you just didn't have that before. Yeah, I would agree that isolation has been huge, especially you were saying you don't, you don't have someone who you can just pop in and say, Hey, I have this patient. Can you help me out here? And of course, technology makes it easier. You can always try and reach out to someone, but everyone's so busy. It's, are they going to get back to you? They're probably seeing patients doing other things. So it's not as reliable or as quick of a response as, Hey, do you have a second? So it's just an adjustment, but I, I agree with with Brenda that I think the the pros way outweigh the cons that we sure. that we deal with. I, I just want to add one more thing too that I've really found this last year now working in emergency medicine is with the whole COVID and now the decrease in nursing staff and we have just had such a difficult time getting patients to a higher level of care. You know, normally you'd call the transfer center, you talk to the specialists, they were out. Well, now they don't have a bed. We've had severe COVID patients. We've had other severe patients that we have had in our hospital for days before we can get them to a higher level of care. So um, that definitely is a disadvantage right now. I'm hoping that's going to change, but you don't hear anything good about the nursing shortage getting better. It's just more sure. about getting worse. So that definitely has been a disadvantage too recently. Yeah. And I find it interesting that you added that kind of at the end, Brenda, because working in the cities, I would have that as a huge concern of just getting patients access to care or referral to a specialist, but neither of you really highlighted that as a concern for a lot of your patients with practicing over the years free Brenda or recently for 
you Lexi. So maybe it's really not that big of a deal as much as I thought it was, except like you said, with the COVID pandemic and the nursing shortage and many providers are leaving medicine and nurses are leaving medicine and things like that. So maybe it's more of an issue now, but it was always my perspective that in rural Minnesota or other States as well, that it would just be more difficult to get patients in with specialists that they need or follow up care if they needed a higher level of care. So do you mind talking, speaking to that a little bit? You know, most generally, I would say in the past, there hasn't been that much of an issue. Granted, if it wasn't something acute, you know, it might take sometimes a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months, depending on the specialty. But I've really seen the last year, you know, just even acute things, you know, normally that never used to be a problem. I mean, if we had someone in respiratory distress, we could get them out right away. And now we keep them for days. We haven't used a ventilator in the facility I'm in ever until I've been here the last year. We've had it a couple of times that we've actually had to put people on the ventilator. So it's even increasing my skills as a provider, having to just learn a lot more. And and I'm constantly going to up to date and reviewing things because these patients, we just never had to care for because we got them out right away. So it's really changed my whole perspective with medicine and just updating my training and those types of things. Thank you for staying up to date on all of that and providing the care that you're providing because that's challenging. And it just shows that you're constantly learning throughout your career. Yeah, I would say I kind of come at it from a different angle. Um, a lot of the the patients I see typically are more end of life. Um, not always, of course, but more, they don't want to, I don't say even comfort care, but they don't want to go searching down rabbit holes. So <laughs> it's not something that I typically have to have to do a lot to defer out. I will say again, technology has been super helpful. I know a lot of different people and feel totally comfortable just my chart messaging someone or I'm reaching out and, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I don't want to waste your time and give you the whole spiel um, because it's not fair to your time either, but is this worth referring or can I manage it on my own? And I've had good response with that and people have been really helpful. And I think it's time-saving on, on all ends too. And speaking of technology a little bit, have either of you ladies noticed that telemedicine and that type of role has played a higher role with patients? Since the COVID pandemic, do you ladies use that in your practice or does it just kind of depend upon the specialty that you're in or do you have experience with that? We did use a a larger amount of telemedicine during COVID, you know, initially. Now I would say it's very rare in our practice that we do once in a great while, you know, we'll get someone that can't come in and it's maybe a rash that we can see, but it's pretty rare. I think we see a lot more of it being used though with specialties, you know, that don't want to drive the distance to rural area. And so they see the patients on telemedicine, which is good because we're getting the patients seen, but most of the patients that they are seeing are elderly and don't like the telemedicine. And so it, it sometimes becomes a little bit difficult that way too, getting them convinced to see a specialist that way. You know, most people would rather just drive the distance and go see them where they are but it's just so much handier for those that don't drive or can't get a ride to have the, the specialist come to the facility. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with Brenda on the, that population, elderly population, not liking the technology necessarily as much, but it is, it is nice to have, you were saying just to have the, the ability if needed that they can um, meet virtually and at least be seen in a more timely fashion, just because things can get pretty, pretty booked out with, with the nursing shortage, like you had mentioned. In my practice specifically, I don't um, do a lot of, of virtual 
virtual visits because like I had said earlier, it's not preferred. You can't hear the patient very well. They can't hear me. And it's just, it doesn't make for a good visit on anyone's end. But it is nice to have in case or there's a big COVID outbreak again or something happens, winter is coming, <laughs> roads are bad, I can't make yeah. it in. It's nice that we have this set up now for those instances as a just in case, at least in my case. But it is nice, I know, for other providers who do um, primary care and, and maybe just a medication management visit, something like that. It is nice to have. And I don't think it'll be going away ever. So it's, it's a nice service to have if we need it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I was in family medicine when COVID hit and we were forced to implement telemedicine visits and we all learned quickly and I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And a lot of the patients really liked it too. And now I've been practicing in outpatient psychiatry and we use telemedicine all the time. And most of my patients really enjoy it where they don't have to leave their home. You know, if they have a lot of anxiety leaving their home, they don't have to drive, like you said, in the winter, some of them will pop on during a break at work. So I would say a lot of patients when they try it will enjoy it. But like you said, there can be a little bit of a generational divide where some elderly patients don't appreciate it quite as much because it's more challenging and they're just not used to it. Right. Definitely. And there's a lot of elderly don't even have computers in their homes. So it makes it difficult too. Exactly. Brenda, if you had to work in rural medicine all over again for all the years that you have, would you still choose to do so, or would you have chosen something different? I would definitely have chosen to do the same thing. Yes, by all means. And then Lexi, do you feel like you can see yourself continuing to practice in rural medicine going forward for many years to come? Or do you feel like maybe you might want to get out of those nice woods up there and buy all those beautiful lakes and come down to the city sometime. That's you, you have a great offer there. Uh, no. <laughs> so enticing, um, right? So enticing. Uh, no, the cities are great. I do think I will uh, continue to practice rural medicine for the, for the foreseeable future, keeping open to all possibilities. You never know what'll pop up, but it's, it's going really well right now. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation and the different perspective that you ladies have given with experience on one hand with Brenda and brand new grad (laughs) with Lexi on the other hand, and how you ladies have portrayed that PAs can work in a variety of specialties, even within rural medicine. Do you feel as though you have any last pieces of advice for any current or future PAs considering rural medicine in the future? I think just rural medicine is so important to remember kind of what we learned in school, that your history and your physical is so much of your diagnosis. And I think so many times people want to go to the big cities because they have the big equipment and all of the valuable tests and those types of things to do. And you don't need that to practice and to be a good provider. And um, there's just so many pluses that we've talked about being in rural medicine uh, that it's just as important as going to the big city, probably more important. Yeah, that was well put. I would add for any new future PAs or people in school, not to be daunted by rural medicine or rule it out. It's something that there's a lot of fears about. And I would encourage people to take rotations or shadow someone, even if you you haven't been accepted or started a program yet, really to get the experience and ask questions and kind of live in the life of what it would be like, because you might love it. (laughs) And we can always use the extra help. So keep an open mind and be at least willing to give it a chance. 
Thank you both so much for joining me on the show today. I have really enjoyed our conversation. And I think the listeners will find a lot of valuable information as well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is great. 